First City Focus is supported in part by First Vincent Savings Bank, a community lender committed to making loan decisions locally, online at frsb.net. Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at duke-energy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to First City Focus. I'm your host, Nicole Carey. On this episode, the Knox County Public Library is kicking off a new program aimed at educating the public on how to cook healthier meals. We'll take a look at the mission of the Community Learning Kitchen. Some area enthusiasts have a love of taking to the skies, at least on a model scale. We'll meet some folks involved with the Jasper RC Flyers Group to learn some of their tricks of the trade. The community of Princeton recently took a step back in time. We'll take a look at a few time capsules that were open to see the prized possessions placed inside over a century ago. And we have an update complete with the highlights from the Dancing with the Vincent Stars fundraiser. We'll tell you who beat out the competition right now on First City Focus. The Knox County Public Library is constantly developing new initiatives to serve our area, especially focusing on where there seems to be a great need. One new mission is an effort to teach folks just how easy it can be to cook healthy meals at home, a task that can seem daunting for sure. Here to tell us all about the new Community Learning Kitchen is Library Director Emily Bunyan and Wellness Ambassador Tiffany Murinaka. Thanks for joining me today. It's our pleasure. Yes, thank you um, Let's go back to the beginning stages of how the concept of this Community Learning Kitchen um, came to kind of land on your radar. Purdue Extension uh, home educator Tanya Short had told us for a long time that she'd love to have like a cooking studio for classes in the community. And then I took a grant writing workshop through Purdue and we had to write about a project that we could develop in our communities. And that's how this was born you know, through that uh, grant writing workshop. Have you seen any examples of this concept in play? I haven't seen any in the Midwest, mm -hmm. but I know of some that are models for the nation, like uh, the one in Philadelphia was the first. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been really successful over the years. They do so much great work with immigrants, you know, building literacy skills mm -hmm. and, and math skills. And that's what we want to do. Um, is emphasize learning across the curriculum mm -hmm. and learning about nutrition and good food and um, gardening. We have the Grow City Garden and the Seed Library mm -hmm. at our library. And this was an outgrowth of that too. And now we have uh, the Department of Health grant mm -hmm. through which we were able to hire Tiffany mm -hmm. and Sarah, our wellness ambassadors. And they are, um, bringing uh, nutrition and uh, good food and uh, wellness tips throughout the community. Now that grant you mentioned, it, it made this possible. How did it feel when you found out you were awarded the grant? It was a dream come true. I was delighted. Mm -hmm. Tiffany, how mm -hmm. did you first become aware of this effort and how did you know you wanted to get involved? Oh my goodness, it was, it was just like a, a chain of 
being in the right place at the right moment, I was listening to the radio, which I rarely do, and I heard this ad come on for a community learning kitchen, and my ears perked up, and my daughter and I looked at each other, and we both said, you would be perfect for this job, because <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I love uh, teaching, learning, uh, practicing good, healthy um, wellness tips, and, and so I was just really excited to look more into it, and I uh, went and applied for it, and mm -hmm. um, I was so grateful I was able to to be selected, and I'm just super excited to be a part of it. Yeah, and Sarah Wolf is really well known in our area yes, right now for is. everything she's doing as our Eclipse director. Yes, um, she has such high energy. What a great yes. ad uh, with you, Tiffany, as well. <laughs> But folks might not realize she has a strong culinary background that she's bringing to this effort. Absolutely. Yeah, she had the Farmer's Daughter restaurant mm -hmm. in Princeton, where I visited many times, had farm-to-table food, just just exceptionally fine restaurant. Mm -hmm. And she's really good with a knife. You know, we've been, yeah. I will tell you, because I, I got to sit in on your kind of soft uh, uh, premiere yes. at the Farmer's Market, mm -hmm. and um, I learned a lot that, that morning. That's great. And, and Sarah taught a lot about, I did not know, maybe you at home do not know this, you shouldn't put your knives in the dishwasher. I had no clue. I know. So that was great knowledge. That tip was worth it. Yes, just that alone. Exactly. I was like, okay, yeah. if I ever invest in high-end knives, they do not yeah. go in the dishwasher. Take care of them, yeah. Um, so what's it like uh, been working with Sarah as you guys have gotten this kind of off the ground and, and up and running? Yeah, I didn't know Sarah really well before this, uh, um, but just after working with her a few times, we just really connect. Our energy levels are very similar. We're both kind of quirky and fun and just, we really just both have a passion for food and it's just fun to see both of our uh, ideas and um, passion for health and wellness and nutrition and cooking mm -hmm. come together and, and be able to share that with the community. It's been really fun. I'm excited to keep working with her and to see what we come up with and yeah. how we do this. Mm -hmm. um, so the Learning Kitchen will be based primarily out of the Fort Knightley Club um, yes. on 6th Street. So explain kind of what the setup is there and what, what the goal is as far as that facility goes. Well, through the Community Foundation grant, we're able to buy some new equipment, mm -hmm. uh, restaurant quality equipment that uh, Tiffany arranged for us to buy. And uh, we are also going to have a studio there. So they'll be doing videos mm -hmm. uh, that will uh, that we'll post on internet and other social media sites and use as a teaching tool. What is our uh, your primary target as far as the learning um, kitchen goes? Well, through the Department of Health grant, uh, the target is SNAP recipients. Mm -hmm. And um, we want to um, help them in any way we can. And we're working with Chris Clark uh, through the Purdue Extension. Mm -hmm. And she has connections um, with um, that community and uh, we have some really good collaborative uh, work ahead of us. Mm -hmm. I know Tiffany, you and I have talked, um, a big effort is going to be placed on social media, mm -hmm. trying to meet the audience where they're at. Right. So what are, what are some things you're working on now to, as you start rolling out programming online? Oh yeah. Well, we're still just in the beginning works mm -hmm. of it. Um, Sarah and I are just really brainstorming a bunch of fun, creative ways that we can, uh, really make nutrition and wellness relatable to the community mm -hmm. in a way that's not daunting mm -hmm. and overwhelming, but in a way that's like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. And something's better than nothing. Uh, and just relieve that pressure of, you know, I have to do it perfectly, but just like, just get excited mm -hmm. and have fun about 
being healthier. That's really what our goal Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, now you also have the Charlie cart, which I got to see in yes, action at the did. farmer's uh -huh. market. Um, what does this tool mean for the effort of, of expanding the learning kitchen to the community? Mm -hmm. It's a great opportunity. It's, um, it's all inclusive, you know, it has a, a stove and a sink and electrical hookup, and it just makes it possible for us to do all the outreach mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that we need to do for the program. How was it setting up that day at the farmer's market? <laughs> it really wasn't too bad. I was our first real run with it, mm -hmm. and, you know, it just logistically, we got it where we needed to be, and we were able to plug in, and everything went really smoothly, so it really gave me hope for the future and the potential of how we can utilize this in our community. Because you really could take it anywhere, schools, yep. mm -hmm. um, other yeah. public events and whatnot. Oh yeah, absolutely. We want to be as many places as we can. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I know you've mentioned the Purdue Extension agent. Yes. Um, it is really going to be a community effort. You want to partner with others in the community. Yes, mm -hmm. and, and gardeners like Grow City and the Seed Library and um, any groups that want to learn more about cooking, uh, gardening, and food preservation. Mm -hmm. And then all the while we're building skills for people too, uh, people who might need to improve literacy skills or, or math skills, measuring skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just, um, it's an educational program and that's what the Department of Health grant emphasizes. It's all about education. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe as you've started this effort, Tiffany, what have you heard maybe that people are like, oh, when it comes to this, mm -mm, that intimidates me, <laughs> to where now you're like, okay, I can show you how that yeah. can be easier than you think. Yeah, I mean, so far the response has been pretty positive as far as like, oh, this is something our community really needs. Uh, this is how I feel about nutrition and cooking. And, you know, and I think people are excited to see maybe some new ways, some new tools and resources that will help inspire them and motivate them to try out cooking dinner at home for once instead of picking it up on the way home from work. Um, so yeah, we're just excited for the potential that this has to give people hope that they can mm -hmm. truly make different, better changes in their, their health and their wellness. I think for many, um, the thought of trying to incorporate more vegetables yeah. into their diet is probably a big hurdle to cross. Yes. Uh, so what is one tip or something that you could give our audience right now of like oh embrace it? Seriously, the biggest thing that I love, I was just at the store before this mm -hmm. and I, I try to have some, uh, a shopping list, but I really tried to just use my intuition when I'm at the store. Mm -hmm. If you see something that looks good, buy it. And then there's so many recipes and resources to try a new recipe and, and just start to get inspired when you go to the grocery store and don't be afraid. Like vegetables and fruits are really very inexpensive and you know, there's so much you can do with them. So next time you go to the store, maybe mm -hmm. just be inspired, go to that produce section and just look at, find something that looks appetizing and go for it. Pick I, it up. <laughs> I know you shared with me also, um, recipes are great, but yeah. sometimes the best meals come from unplanned efforts. Yes, absolutely. What's that like for you in the kitchen? Oh my goodness. Uh, really, it's really just getting to know your ingredients really well. So I've been cooking long enough that I, I know what my, what ingredients I like to use. Um, and so it's really fun to just kind of open my fridge and be like, all right, what do I have to work with? Even if it's leftovers, mm -hmm. I can dress it up or add something to it to make it a totally different meal. It's amazing how many meals you can make out of a few simple fresh ingredients. And so I love to just every day be a little bit adventurous in mm -hmm. the kitchen. <laughs>
So I'm sure you're going to be sharing examples yes. uh, of putting it into practice um, mm -hmm. for folks yeah. through your efforts. Um, so of course, when we talk about online social media, you guys are really going to be everywhere. If we hope to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're trying to reach our, our target is the SNAP participants, but really this is a community mm -hmm. uh, effort to just get the word out to everybody, make it accessible for everybody to, to learn these new skills and mm -hmm. have ex access to these resources and tools. Yeah. So mm -hmm. YouTube, TikTok. Yes. I, I believe you oh, have yeah. a TikTok account oh, yeah. you guys have started. Uh-huh. Yeah. Valuable uh, educational tool when used right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited to see what you guys can do because I, I, if if folks haven't seen you two in action yet, um, <laughs> you definitely feed off of each other really well, you and Sarah, oh, to where you. it's very entertaining mm -hmm. also. Yeah. I think you guys are doing a great job so we far. <laughs> Thank you. Emily, where do you see this program and even the fortnightly facility down the road in a few years as far as serving the community? It can be a hub for wellness in the community wellness and literacy and education uh, with the kitchen being upgraded and all the equipment there uh, to do videos and cooking demos. I, I just see that it's going to grow and grow and it could be a space for entrepreneurs to practice their skills and mm -hmm. possibly uh, market their wares or uh -huh. uh, learn more about starting their own businesses. Well, that's great. All right. Well, we're excited to see what the future is going to hold for the Community Learning Kitchen. Thanks oh, for being here. Thank you thank so much, you. <laughs> To learn more about the Community Learning Kitchen and links to all of their social media accounts, you can head over to our website, vincentspbs.org. Well, if you happen to be looking for a new hobby, we might just have the answer for you. A club based out of Dubois County can get you started flying and or building radio-controlled airplanes. News Director Dave Foster and photojournalist Dave Novak take us to the Jasper RC Flyers Strassenfest fly-in. A hobby can be defined as a regular activity that is done for enjoyment, typically during one's leisure time. And First City Focus learned that those who are into RC or radio-controlled airplanes absolutely love their hobby. Yeah, I just, I just got into it just for like a little fun, stress relief, and sometimes it's not stress relief, but it, you know, every hobby's got its things, but, but the, yeah, ever since I got into it, I've been hooked. The Jasper RC Flyers Club, like most other such clubs, holds special events to fly with others, but mainly to expose the public to radio-controlled aircraft like airplanes, helicopters, drones of all sizes, big or small. If it flies, they like it. They are a local chapter of the Academy of Model Aeronautics, a national nonprofit organization promoting RC aircraft. They boast over 200,000 members nationally. Here at the Jasper Strassenfest fly-in, at a field in rural Dubois County, we met members of clubs located in Jasper, Washington, Evansville, and Owensboro, Kentucky, just to name a few. You can go just about anywhere and find one within a 50-mile radius. Uh, and there's, there's big events throughout the year. Uh, I've been over to central Ohio to a big event where they had hundreds of people flying in, in one day's time. And uh, it, it is a lot bigger than people think it is. There are lots of reasons people start flying. We learn that some have neighbors that fly. Others are born into it, like 21-year-old Samuel Lang. We were told he's one of the best flyers around. 
He's been at it since he was five. Well, my dad, actually, we used to go to the local hobby shop after school every day, and we'd go fly on the flight simulator and everything, and he's been doing it for a very long time. Um, so I've basically grew up around airplanes. My dad's an aircraft mechanic, and uh, I've always been around him. Meanwhile, Secretary of the Jasper Club, Jeremy Church, actually has an aeronautical engineering degree from Purdue. But that's not a necessity at all. He says you'll learn what you need to know as you progress. You know, technology now is such that it makes it really easy to get into the hobby uh, with uh, electric motors and the battery power where you can have a lot of flight time. And they even have, a, most of them now have stabilization so that it makes it much harder to crash an aircraft now when you're learning to fly. Still, crashing is sometimes inevitable even for the experienced. Part of the hobby. Some of the aircraft you'll see at these fly-ins looks expensive, and it is. However, it really doesn't cost all that much to get started. Fred Sullivan from Washington told us you can get into it for about $150. You want to pay everything new, you'll be usually spend quite a bit. But me, I got like swap meet planes, you know, like 30 bucks, you know, and then I'd get a, a radio for 40, 50 bucks. And once you get a good radio, you can you get one like this, you can set up all your planes on it. So that's one thing there and uh there's different variables you know if you want nitro they're gonna be more money and it's all not just about buying a plane and learning to fly and having fun there are many skills to learn or hone there's the building aspect which can involve foam or wood um, there's automotive you know in the tuning and and working on the engines there's electronics with all kinds of different stuff there's there's many facets to the hobby and the fellowship is what, what you'll find, I think, that most people like the most. We, we all come out and fly, but we like to fly with other people more than we do ourselves. RC Flyers are a very welcoming community and are eager to share their enthusiasm and knowledge to anyone who wants to learn. President of the Jasper RC Flyers Club, Ryan Bratton, does advise, though, before you spend the 100 to $200 to get started, try it out first. Come out here and meet with us and one of our instructors. And we'll put you in the air and let you fly a little bit. And you may, you may think right away, hey, this is something I want to do. This is cool. Or you may find out, yeah, this is not what I thought it's going to be. So before you spend anything, come out here and we'll, we'll show you around. We'd be glad to do it. To get into contact with the Jasper RC Flyers, you can just search for them on social media. For First City Focus and photojournalist Dave Novak, I'm Dave Foster. You might want to talk. The next big AMA event in Indiana is September 16th when the Indy RC Modelers Club will hold a fly-in and swap. For more information on that event, as well as the Jasper RC Flyers Club, go to vincentspbs.org. Well, in the city of Princeton, the historic building that once housed the community's high school is now facing demolition after being sold to private developers. But as preparations for that demolition got underway, time capsules in the cornerstone were soon discovered. Adam Reinhardt shows us how the community was able to get a glimpse of the century-old items that were locked inside. It was an event 111 years in the making. Three time capsules, two from the former Princeton High School and one from the old Franklin Elementary, were unveiled to the public on Sunday, August 20th at Tiger Arena, inside the current high school building. A large crowd at the gym joined North Gibson school officials and Princeton Mayor Greg Wright for a special ceremony to reveal the capsules. The capsules were found inside the former high school building, which is set to be torn down. 
Well, when we um, were moving forward with uh, getting rid of the uh, old middle school, old high school building and donating that um, for future development, uh, we knew that there was time capsules in the cornerstone. We knew there was one, so when we found two, uh, we knew we needed to do an event to honor that history that they wanted um, whoever found it, uh, however many years later, and it turns out it was 111 years, to know what was going on during that time period and to celebrate that history. So that's why we're here today. Items stored in the capsules for over a century included old newspaper articles, committee event flyers, instruction books, and even toys and coins. Some of the memorabilia is headed to the Indiana State Library to be studied. Following the ceremony, an auction took place in which visitors could bid on items, including an old scoreboard from the gym. Gym floor pieces from the old basketball court were also sold to the public. Absolutely. I think we had a great turnout. community had high interest in this event and seeing the history from 1912 and 1922 um, from the three time capsules that we have, and I'm very pleased with the turnout. The building opened as Princeton High School in 1912. The gymnasium was opened in 1923 and dedicated by then IHSAA Commissioner Arthur Trester, namesake of the Mental Attitude Award. The old building was a high school until 1970, when a new Princeton Community High School was opened. The 1912 building was in a middle school until 2012, but the old gym remained used by the varsity teams until 2012, when the current schools opened. Actually, that was our middle school at the time, when I was in junior high, the old high school. Uh, what, one interesting fact is the architect uh, for the high school, when it was built in 1912, was a guy named uh, John Gaddis, and Gaddis is uh, a Vincennes native. I think it was the tradition of that gymnasium and, and uh, you know, all the, the banners hanging in there and having the sectional there for so many years. Uh, we actually, when I was in school, practiced at the high school, played our games at the middle school, so our home games were almost away games. In the meantime, students at the current Princeton Community High School are working on their own time capsule with items from the current times. Those items include ticket stubs from the Oppenheimer and Barbie movies, a picture of the Princeton girls sectional winning basketball team last season, and a scrapbook from the upcoming graduating senior class. Superintendent Dr. Eric Goggins knows there are community members upset about the decision to remove the old building, but also points out there will be both good causes for the old space and a bright future for the current schools. We certainly hope so. We know that um, it's not a popular thing that that building is coming down, um, including the gym, and we don't um, take that lightly. Certainly, um, we wanted to provide an opportunity for anyone who was interested to have a piece of that uh, building, and we're doing that through the sale of the gym floor um, in small pieces, as well as the larger items we auctioned today, all to go to a good cause with the Education Foundation. As past met present, Tigers of many generations came together both to salute the past and be excited about the future. For First City Focus, I'm Adam Reinhart. Once demolition is complete, the site of the old high school is set to be transformed into a new 44-unit townhome housing development called Princetown Place. Construction of the $10.8 million project is expected to begin in November. And now for our final focus. As we shared with you on a previous episode, a fundraiser for the Wabash Valley Friendship Clubhouse recently shined a light on some Vincent stars. The Dancing with the Vincent Stars event brought a good crowd together to cheer on the contestants willing to show off their favorite dance moves. Those contestants included Vincent's Fire Chief Brett Bobe, Police Chief John Hillenbrand, Amanda Lynn, and Kalina McCormick. Adam Reinhart captured some of the highlights of the night. Take a look.
And I wanted to remind you that the purpose of our event this evening is to raise money for the Wabash Valley Friendship Clubhouse. And there's a group of people here from the clubhouse. The clubhouse administration's here. And uh, you're going to hear more about them as we go forward. I'm a fireball. First time I've ever seen you turn out gear move that quickly. And you've had lots of practice in parades throwing candy. I'll tell you what, man. I'll give you a nine. That was awesome. energy very well coordinated you guys have great moves on the floor and uh, I was really impressed and uh, like Rich and I went with a 9.5 fun event. Kalina McCormick was crowned the champion dancer of the night while police chief John Hillenbrand won the People's Choice Award. Organizer Cher Wehrman says they raised over $30,000 for the Friendship Clubhouse and plans are already underway for next year's event. And that's all for this edition of First City Focus. For everyone here at Vincent's PBS, I'm Nicole Carey. We'll see you again next week. First City Focus is supported in part by First Vincent Savings Bank, a community lender committed to making loan decisions locally, online at frsb.net. Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at duke-energy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members, thank you.